Bruce Cook is honored to have you join his conversations with people committed to talking with heart and brain functions in full operating gear. No spin, no agenda, just authentic conversation on just about anything. Welcome to the Bruce Cook Conversation. UCI professor Dr. Kathleen Traceder on climate change, man-made and nature-made on the global sphere. Are we really in trouble? Traceder says in less than a century, places on Earth will be uninhabitable. Then, Laura Souk on her mission northeast of the well, reaching out to the marginalized in society and battling human trafficking, which has grown to epic proportions. The Bruce Cook Conversation with your host, Bruce Cook. Trending now, here's your host, Bruce Cook, brought to you by the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute at Hode. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Bruce Cook, and it is Sunday afternoon in Southern California. Thank you so much for joining me for the next hour. We have a lot to talk about. We're going to begin with the weather. Okay, it's been hot. It's been hot all over Southern California. It's hot all over the world. I don't know if any of you have been watching the news lately on television, but they're showing on all the stations, they're showing a graphic of this planet Earth surrounded by a ring of red-orange circle right through the middle of the planet, all the way around from axis to axis, almost looks like a Saturn. Well, guess what? Some climate scientists are saying that it might be the hottest temperatures on record worldwide. You've seen the fires in Greece and Italy and Spain. You've seen the fires in Canada that are choking the East Coast with soot and dust. And, of course, right here we are also dealing with unseasonably hot weather. Interestingly, I'm coming to you from Angel Stadium this afternoon, and the clouds are thick overhead as the the monsoon season, which is typical for this time of year, although a little early, is dropping a few raindrops here on the stadium. Uh, weather is pretty interesting. So our first half hour tonight on our show together, our time together, I'm going to introduce you to someone who is going to explain some things about climate change and weather and the ecosystems of our of our world, of our country, that I think will surprise you. And I, I believe you'll be fascinated by what is to come. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest that's coming on shortly. Her name is Kathleen Traceder, and she is from the city of Irvine as a council member. But more than that, uh, Councilman Kathleen uh, Traceder is a Ph.D., and she has the Howard A. Snyderman Endowed Chair, and and she is a professor at the University of California, Irvine. She leads an internationally recognized research program, get this, studying how climate change affects endangered ecosystems in our society. We hear a lot about greenhouse gases. We hear a lot about pollution in the oceans from plastic. But Dr. Tercedor is going to take us to the basics, the basics on how our society is changing and our ecosystems are impacted by our world, our life, and the natural change and evolution of our planet. She received her Ph.D. from Stanford University, ladies and gentlemen. She has been elected a fellow of the American Association for the Advancement of Science, the American Academy of Microbiology, the Ecological Society of America, and Kathleen has published over 120 articles 
in scientific journals. She joins us now live from Irvine. Kathleen, welcome. Hi, how are you? I'm doing really well. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good. Listen, your resume is pretty impressive. As I told you on the phone this afternoon when we spoke briefly, I'm afraid that we are going to be so smart and so highbrow tonight that listeners are either going to be so fascinated or they're going to be scared. And I hope it's more fascinated than scared because when your field of study tells us that the fungal diversity of the globe may be changing due to climate change and that ecosystems are in major change, what does that mean? Well, um, I have to say, first of all, so I don't think that that's going to be a problem. So. Kathleen, you, um, you, you broke up. Say it again. Yeah. First of all, nobody's ever accused me of being too highbrow. So I think that will be just fine. Okay, um, good. Yeah. Um, and just in general, I studied fungi. I never was interested in fungi when I was growing up. I never thought about them, didn't know what they were. Uh, but then as I started studying climate change, how important um, then I started to go into that for my research. And the reason that I do that is because fungi actually produce a lot of CO2 themselves, actually about 10 times as much as humans do when we drive our cars around. And so as they're going about their business making CO2, I need to know what they do just naturally um, in order to account for how they might contribute to climate change. And Is there a simple answer to this? Sorry? Is there a basic, simple answer to what you've just suggested about what fungi do uh, yeah. in limiting CO2 and climate change? Yeah, in general, what we see is that as climate change is happening, it is disturbing the fungi and what they normally are doing. And so, in reality, it looks like it's actually reducing the amount of um, because it's getting drier in different places or having more drought. Conditions are not as good for the fungi. And so that's actually good news for us. You were hoping for good news. It is good news that they're producing less CO2. Um, that may offset some of the carbon dioxide that we're producing in our own activities. Before we continue... You've been breaking up on air. Are you are you holding a cell phone, or is there any way you can put it down? I don't want to lose any. I don't want to lose anything you're saying. Yeah, I am holding a cell phone. Yeah. Can you put it down, or is that not going to work? I can put it down. Let's yeah. let's try okay. that because sometimes it's sometimes okay. that causes the interruption. Okay, moving okay. forward. How much? of this climate change, and this is the biggest question of the half hour we have together, how much of this climate change would you as a scientist who has clearly studied this very seriously can be contributed to the human factor, global use of greenhouse gases, pollution of plastics in the ocean, and whatever other human factors are causing it, and how much would you attribute to natural evolution of the planet? And can that can that be quantified? Um, I'm happy to answer that. First, the sound is going in and out for me as well, um, even though I put the phone down. I'm so sorry. Well, we'll, just, just we'll do the best we can. We'll do the best okay. we can. All right. 
So, in general, what we think is that, yeah, of course, there is variation over time in the Earth's climate. You know, we've known this for a long time. Um, but the variation right now should be heading in the opposite direction. Um, in general, we should be in a more of a cooling cycle right now, actually. But that cooling cycle has been halted and reversed. Let me interrupt and you. So when why, you see why, this warming, it's almost all humans. Let me interrupt you. Why should we be in a cooling cycle? What indicates that? Oh, because um, you know how we have ice ages? Well, predictable, predictable cycle of ice ages and inter-ice ages in the planet's recent history. And we, so we know that about every 100,000 years or so, we should be switching from one to the other. And it's just like night versus day. It's that sort of cycle. Um, and we, are, we were coming out of an ice age for a while. We should be headed back into it now, but that's just not happening. And besides the the thousand year or hundred thousand year cycle, what are the indications that in, that would tell us that? Well, we can look through um, really cool historical records of the Earth's temperature, and so we can go back. Like we can drill ice cores through the ice in Antarctica. They can go mile down, go down through the ice. We're going back in the age um, of the Earth's surface. And we can see that there's a very regular pattern of heat versus cold. Um, we can see buried in that ice. And so we know that it should be, if we, if we bring that back forward, that we should be heading into cooler times. What specific matters are creating, as we started talking about the fungi changing its uh, its composition. What specific matters are doing that to our ecosystem? Is it the greenhouse gas? Is it the is it the uh, the cycle that we just talked about of cooling and heating? What is what is causing that to happen? And more importantly, how what are the dangers to things like our soil and nutrition yeah. and foods and crops and feeding the planet? Yeah. <laughs> little things sorry. like so, food. Sorry? Little little matters like food for the planet, for the people, for the animals. Yeah, no, it's small. It's really small. Um, no, so, so what happens is, as you know, we're releasing the greenhouse gases into the atmosphere through our own activities, that is causing this warming. And then the warming changes your circulates. And so then that changes the precipitation that's coming out of the atmosphere. And so, like, today it was raining, you know. Um, did it rain on you? Yes. As I started the show, I told the audience that it rains. It was dripping, dripping, dropping here at the Angel Stadium. Yeah. I, I saw that. I was like, this is a big mistake. But um, the deal is that, for instance, it this own precipitation patterns here in Southern California. So it used to be, you know, we would have these monsoon seasons, like you mentioned, um, but there was not enough energy in the atmosphere to actually push that rain up to Southern California during the summer. That's why our summers have always been so dry. But now there's enough energy in the atmospheric circulation 
that we get these, you know, um, pushed up from the tropics far enough into Southern California. Now we're getting this rain when we never really got rain before. Um, I also, I don't know how long you've lived in California, but um, I lived here a long, long time before I heard thunder. And that's because thunderstorms used to be very, very uncommon here. Um, but now we're getting more thunderstorms, again, because of this heating of the Earth. This is happening all over the world in different ways. Um, in general, what happens is we're getting stronger, larger storms, and they're fewer and far farther between. And so in many places, we're just experiencing a lot of flooding, and then that is... Um, you know, then in the middle of the flooding, we'll have long stretches of drought. Long stretches of drought flooding. Long stretches of flooding. And this will continue. That's not what we want. This will continue for how long? For until things change, until forever, until the planet ends. What What's going to happen? That's a yeah, pretty that's tough a question, question for you. And, but see what okay. you can do with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Hard to predict the future, but. Um, what we know is that if we take really strong steps very quickly right, to options, then we still will see unstable climate for the next 100 years or so until that CO2 we put in the atmosphere cycles back out again. Um, if we don't stop, then we can get into some very, very scary things. Um, we can start seeing, for instance, um, you know, the Middle East, especially around. Um, we can see those areas start becoming so hot for so long that humans won't be able to survive outside. And that's by the end of this century, remarkably. Um, it will just keep getting worse and worse and worse until what we're doing as humans will change so drastically that then eventually we won't have so many greenhouse gases going into the atmosphere. Probably recover over maybe thousands of years, um, but we don't want that to happen. Of course not. Dr. Tresseter, I think somebody may be trying to call you on your cell phone, which is why it keeps, oh. why it keeps uh, doing that, and I, I really hate that it's ruining our time together. Is there any way to stop it? I don't see... No, Anybody. no. Okay, well, yeah. we'll we'll continue to make the best of it. Listen, okay. I read that you did a, a very unusual study uh, with soil in Alaska. Can you share that study with the audience and and talk about what it meant and what the results tell you? Yeah. So I was really lucky that I spent about twenty years studying global warming up in Alaska. Um, somebody has to do it. It's a tough job, but I have to go up there in the summers um, here. It's just gorgeous. It's just a gorgeous place. But the reason that I wanted to study Alaska is because, first of all, it's very cold. So the fungi up there generally are not very active. So um, there's not a lot of CO2 coming out of the soils up there normally. And the second thing is that because the fungi are not very active, all that dead material that produces 
soil and it builds up over time. And so that material has been building up like 50,000 years or so. There's a lot of carbon in there. Um, so there's these big warehouses of carbon, basically, in the soil up in Alaska. Is there anywhere the else thing, on the planet where there's more that you know no. of? Mm-mm, not on land. Not on land. In the bottom of the ocean, yes, but not on land. And so we want that carbon stay in the that to CO2, right? Now, the third thing is that um, global warming is happening faster up there than almost anywhere else, and it's actually causing all those soils to thaw, and then when the soils thaw, then the fungi start attacking that dead carbon and converting it to CO2. So we wanted to know, um, well, what is the fate of this carbon in the future? We went out area in the middle of Alaska, and we simulated warming. So we installed these big greenhouses in the forest there, and the greenhouses warmed up the soil, just like the greenhouse effect. And then we had areas that were not warmed. They were the controls. And we followed to see what happened to the fungi, and the fungi really changed a lot. In what way? Well... In that they became a lot less, um, they actually became a lot less abundant. And this is good news. So what happened was um, when the soils thawed, they really dried out a lot. And then that made the fungi need the water. So the fungi stopped doing the CO2 production as much. And so it reduced how much CO2 they were producing. And that, that, I mean, I felt bad for the fungi course, but um, they're producing less CO2, and so that does help us reach more of our climate goals. Well, I don't think most people understand what we've just talked about, that (laughs) fungi is contributing to the CO2 in the atmosphere, much like the greenhouse gases that we produce in our automobiles and factories. This is information that people need to understand. Why is nobody telling us that? Fungi are pretty obscure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't think people even people, know what fungi They don't even know what fungi is. It sounds sort of creepy. I know, <laughs> I know right? People are scared of fungi um, in general. You get your fungus on your toenail, you don't want that. You hear about people getting poisoned by poisonous mushrooms, and you don't want that. But in general, they can be very helpful for us. I mean, most of our crop plants need fungi to help them get. We wouldn't be getting food at all if it weren't for fungi. Well, it's called the beginning of the planet. Yeah. It's, it's called how things began. Now, the interesting thing, that the reports on climate and what's going on with the world, as we've discussed, people will look back and they'll say, well, there were other times 100 years ago, an example being they talk about Death Valley reaching uh, over 120 degrees on a consecutive basis the last couple of weeks. But then again, mm-hmm. I, I read that in 19, I believe it was 17 or 13, I can't remember, the same thing happened. So basically 100 years ago. So mm-hmm. again, I'm talking cycles. The earth has cycles. Things live, things die, things change. You mentioned the Ice Age. How did we get mountains from the Ice Age? How did we get and lose yeah. creatures and, and civilizations? The planet is constantly changing. Nature is constantly changing. What say you 
in terms of the climate debate that we have going on politically, which is so volatile about climate change, who's responsible, how to fix it. I'm going to stop us there and we have to go to commercial break, our first break. But that's my my topic to bring up when we return. And with a little bit of luck, our phones will be much better and we won't keep breaking up. We'll be right back. Uh, Dr. Kathleen. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Bruce Cook. It is the conversation this afternoon on Angels Radio. I'm with Dr. Kathleen Tresseter from UC Irvine, also a city councilman in the city of Irvine. We're talking about our livelihoods, our our health, our planet. Stay with me. At the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, the Hogue Epilepsy Program is accredited by the National Association of Epilepsy Centers as a Level 4 Epilepsy Center. This means that our experts provide the highest level care for patients with complex epilepsy. Our patient-centered approach to epilepsy treatment combined with state-of-the-art technology, including robotics and laser ablation, ensure the best possible outcomes for our patients. To learn more or for an evaluation, call 949-966-0243 or visit hogue.org forward slash epilepsy care. We are going out with a bang, actually, I hope not too soon. Hi, I'm Bruce Cook. I'm on the radio tonight, Angels Radio AMA 30 KLAA. It's the conversation. Our very special guest, Dr. Kathleen Traceder from UC Irvine. We're talking climate change. But speaking of climate change, before I bring Kathleen back with my tough question before the commercial regarding the political—I can't say it—the politization, the politicization of climate change, this sort of applies in a happier note. Ladies and gentlemen, it's summertime in Southern California, and weather, whether it's raining or sunshine, is, a, is certainly a factor. But there's a, a very special island on the coast called Balboa Island— and this is a place you might want to visit during your summer jaunt, wherever you're coming from, wherever you're listening to Angels Radio from Santa Barbara to the Inland Empire to parts of San Diego to Los Angeles, etc. If you're looking for a rich cultural experience in Newport Beach, California, it's happening right now at a place called the Balboa Island Museum, which is located in the heart of of the business district on Marine Avenue in on Balboa Island. I know a lot of you know Balboa Island. It's been a special place to visit for so many years, actually more than 100 years. And the Balboa Island Museum, listen to this, voted the best museum in Orange County for a, a second straight year, 2023, and now again in 2024 coming up by the Los Angeles Times. So if you want to check out amazing exhibits that depict the history of Balboa Island, Newport Beach, the nautical coast of California, and so much more, including all the amazing people and legendary uh, things that have happened over 100 years in Southern California on the coast, check out Balboa Island Museum on on, uh, Balboa Island in Newport Beach. And guess what? Open seven days a week. It's always free to the public. 
The museum is hosting amazing summer events, including art classes for all ages. Check the website. More information is available, balboaislandmuseum.org. I will see you there. It's an amazing spot. With that little plug for an amazing thing during climate change and weird weather, let's get back to our conversation with Dr. Tresetter. And the question of the hour was the politicization politicization of, of climate change today between those who don't believe it and those who do, and how do we bridge the gap with information, which we're trying to do on our show this half hour also with this information about how our planet produces CO2 as well as our cars. Dr. Tosita, would you enter the conversation again, hopefully without interruption on the phone? Oh, uh, yeah. Fingers crossed this time. Okay. Hello? Hello? Oh, I guess that answers that question. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't get it. Oh, yeah. I am here. I'm here, but it sounds like we're still... Uh, breaking up. I wonder if it's on the studio end. Is that possible? They say it's not. They say it's coming from your cell phone. But that's all right. Okay. Let's just keep going. Um, Our time together is short, but this is an important aspect of this because people don't understand climate change. They, I mean, scientists have been saying for so many years, including yourself, that we have to deal with this. How come the public won't accept it? Well, we've been bombarded with a lot of money worth of negative advertising from the fossil fuel industry, unfortunately. Um, and they have lobbied our politicians in Washington, D.C., also with a lot of money, and have turned it into a political issue. It's unfortunate. All right. How much danger are we in, in your in your experience and your scientific opinion how much danger are we in oh i can yeah i i know you want to keep it light but i'm so concerned that that is why i'm actually coming out of the lab and in office right because two 15 year old kids and i'm genuinely genuinely worried about their future within their lifetimes that's pretty that's a pretty tough statement yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, sure. you mentioned before the break that we could turn it around in a matter of a few years if we really put the pedal to the metal. I think the problem is, though, Dr. Traceder, from everything that I have heard, read, seen, we don't really have a plan of putting the pedal to the metal. It seems like whack-a-mole sometimes. Well, try this, try that, do this. Get rid of yeah. get rid of all combustible engines immediately and replace it with electricity. Well, we're not prepared to do that immediately. Everybody yeah. thinks it's so simple. You can't just flip a switch. Pardon the pun. To go <laughs> from fuel to go from fossil fuel to electricity, there is so much more involved. So, if that's the case, really, yeah. what can be done? Well, the best thing and really almost the only thing that we can do is reduce. Um, our production of greenhouse gases, and there's there's no substitute for that. And um, for instance, in our city here in Irvine, we have pledged to becoming what's called carbon neutral by 2030, which means that we will not be releasing any net greenhouse gases. 
as a city. It's a heavy lift. It's a very heavy lift, but when you say as a city, are you talking about as a city, or are you talking about individual citizens in the city as well as the city? I'm talking about like within the borders of the city, everybody, including the municipal facilities. Well, how do you do? Um, how do you do that? Do you put a wall around I the city if a, if a if a <laughs> if a car comes through? I mean, I mean, let's be real. Come on, 2030 I mean, is just around the corner. Yeah, no, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be building a wall around the city like that. But just any anything that any activities that we were doing in the city. If we do happen to release greenhouse gases, like if we do have some gas-powered cars coming in the city, then we will offset that by other activities, by, like, say, growing trees or things like that. But the main thing is we got to reduce that greenhouse gas emission. Okay, last question, which is the really unfair and too tough. Assuming Americans all were on the same page and all felt, as you expressed tonight, and from cities from west to east coast, implemented whatever plans made sense scientifically, economically, logically, in order to do what you're saying, what about the rest of the world? What about developing nations? What about mm-hmm. the the Chinese that are polluting the atmosphere like crazy? What about Africa? What about places that aren't as um, advanced economically? What does it matter? Yeah. If Amer- what does it matter? Uh, yes, leadership matters. But if America does everything and nobody else is able to follow suit, what does it matter? We are still in trouble. It is daunting, isn't it? Um, I will say that the U.S. releases just about the most greenhouse gases of any country. Well, that's an important fact. And so that's an by starting fact. here, we can make it. Oh, sorry? That's an important fact. Yeah, exactly. China is fast approaching us, but they are doing really, I mean, they have a different type of economy, as you know, so they're making really drastic changes in the amount of greenhouse gases they're producing, so they're re- they're reducing, they're making a lot of efforts to reduce them, um, so I'm, I'm not worried about crack the U.S. here, I think that would help a lot, and Orange County actually has as much greenhouse gas production as a lot of other countries, like Costa Rica, say. Um, so whatever we do here actually does make a difference. Okay, we have to end with that. Is there a website people can go to to check out more of what you have to say? Of Irvine Sustainability, you'll see about a lot of what we're doing. It matters. Give it to us one more time. You broke up. Yeah. Um, City of Irvine Sustainability. If you Google that, you'll get there. Got it. Our time is up. Dr. Kathleen, I most appreciate your time. I'm so sorry that we had all this interruption trouble, uh, but hopefully our audience got a lot out of it, as I did. I wish you the best on the City Council of Irvine, and certainly as a professor at UCI, it was an honor to have you on. Thank you so much. Good day. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our half-hour break. We're going to switch gears when we come back. Very different show today. We're going to go to a whole different realm of subject matter and uh, provide you with some inspiration uh, if you are in any way depressed by all of this information. Stay with me. I'm Bruce Cook. It's The Conversation, Angels Radio, AMA 30 KLAA.
Family Neurosciences Institute at Hogue is ranked in the top 1% in the nation by U.S. News & World Report. It provides world-class care through multidisciplinary expert teams, each focusing on specific disorders of the brain and spine, such as stroke, aneurysms, brain tumors, Parkinson's disease, cognitive disorders including Alzheimer's, epilepsy, back pain, as well as spinal cord issues, addiction medicine, and sleep disorders. Our renowned experts offer the best evidence-based care, state-of-the-art technology, and the latest clinical research, all focused on the individual patient. Our stroke program was the first in Orange County named as a certified comprehensive stroke center, and our brain tumor program is the largest in Orange County and among the top volume programs in the Western United States. Hiccup Family Neurosciences Institute, compassionate care, clinical excellence, creative intelligence. To learn more, call 949-516-9075 or visit hogue.org forward slash neuroinstitute. to be back by Bruce Cook. It's the conversation this afternoon, this evening, on Angels Radio, KLAA, AM 830. We're switching gears from climate change and the fears of our planet <laughs> to something more faith-oriented in our second half hour together. I have a very special guest who is in studio, thankfully, so we're not going to have a broken-up cell phone in our electronic age that dominates our world. But our topic tonight is one of hope, one of help, one of reaching out and doing for others that need it most desperately. Our guest is the founder and, and uh, executive director of a nonprofit that is called Northeast of the Well. She has been an activist for the past 25 years in dealing with serving the marginalized in our society from all aspects, all walks of life. Her passion started, I believe, with helping women in distress, alcohol and drug abuse, uh, and also personal and, and physical abuse. Uh, her ministry has grown to include those inflicted with incarceration and transforming and turning their lives around people who have been inflicted by horrible disasters in the world, both uh, economic and uh, environmental. And of course, now in today's, in today's very troubled world society, we deal with the scourge of human trafficking. Northeast of the Well tackles almost all of it as best they can <laughs> here in California and in other places. Joining me now... Please welcome Laura Souk. Hi, greetings. Hi. How are you today? Grateful to be here. Thanks. You are grateful for everything yeah. because you are a grateful person, yeah. and I know Amen. that. Amen. Yeah. Yes, you are. Tell me about what you're working on most seriously right now, where and how. And let's start with human trafficking because I've just introduced that last. And we're, we're going to go backwards, but let's start with that. Okay. Well, Right now, there's been a momentum, as many of us know, um, um, that we're we're hearing a lot about just on, in in film and in the media about the the momentum of what's happening in human trafficking, and it is it is actually the second 
um, it's the second largest crime in our country uh, next to drugs. And we, we, we feel sometimes that we're removed from it, but it is right here in our area. It's in Orange County, Los Angeles. Um, our ministry, the ministry I get to be a part of is we go up um, to Figueroa on Friday nights and we have teams that are currently going out there every Friday night to meet the girls that are on the street that have many of them have been trafficked as, as, as young children. And, and a fact here that many children are trafficked, the average age of a child being trafficked is 12. It can be less than that when it's involved with family members. But we see a lot of the girls on the streets that are 16, 17, and 18, but a lot of them have been in the life, they call it being in the life for a long time and they are they are being um, sold and this is um, it's horrific and it's it's unacceptable and we see this on Friday nights specifically out on Figueroa so that's something our team is has mobilized groups from all over Southern California to go up and be a part of this when your team is on Figueroa and you encounter these young people dealing with this horrible situation what are your steps? What do you do? What do you say to them? How do you help them? Are you able to help them, or do they resist? Yeah, all those are good questions. We, um, all those, everything. We we go up there. We get out of the car. We stay in the car. We depending on the night. And there's usually just what this looks like is maybe there's four of us in a car. There's other groups that are often up there. But what we do specifically is we go and we tell the girls that they are not forgotten, that they are seen by God, they are loved by God, and that He does He He is mindful of them, and that He wants more from them. And a lot of them want prayer. And we believe in prayer. We know it's, we were talking about hope a minute ago and what that situation we heard earlier that seemed hopeless in our world. But, you know, we call on the name of the Lord and we know it changes everything. And so we go with authority because it comes from that. And we let them and remind them that they are loved by God. We also give gift bags out to the girls. We'll give them um, gift bags. They'll have water bottles in them. Often we, we provide condoms as well because that's a need that the girls have when they're out there. They are not giving given them by their pimps or their traffickers and we also give them phone numbers and on the on on a lip gloss or something that the girls can keep we have a a phone number that can get help get them out of the life um, and we are also very sensitive because a lot of their tra- traffickers are watching them and they're watching us that and, was my next question mm-hmm. are you in danger well, I think we are, and I don't say this with any kind of pride at all. We feel confident that we're covered, but yes, we're very smart. We are. We we take we we go with people that know what they're doing. We we have extensive trauma training and training on this before we go out. In fact, in our ministry, it's required that people go through a training. Um, all of our staff and all of our volunteers that go, we're trained to know what to look for, what to do, and um, and how to talk to the people. So we we do we we are aware that what's going on. There's a whole system a dark network of um in trafficking that's going on it's just not the girl or the boy that's being trafficked but there's a runner that's taking care of the money there's the pimps who are working for other pimps sometimes it's gang related so there's this very evil dark system and we just walk right in there as we do we just say we just walk right in like jesus sent us and we go in and we extend god's love to them and because of that when we meet them we give them the number and we see many of those girls girls get out of the life and go to many programs were connected with all over California and one particularly having home in Pasadena and there's homes Vera Sanctuary down in Tribuco Canyon there's several 
programs that we can send the girls to and we um, and we don't usually pick them up I have we have I've been in a car and picked up a couple girls and picked a girl up off the street but normally we do not do that it's endangering them and it's endangering the whole system we trust that they will call and then we will provide a way out for them pretty sad pretty sad listen why is it so seems so prevalent and and expanding at this time mm-hmm. this has been obviously going on since time immemorial why now why in this age of so-called enlightenment where people have become so much more knowledgeable about things and things are so much more open why is there more of it rather than less of it why aren't people more moral because people are seeking themselves as opposed to something bigger than themselves, which we believe is God. And if you're not on in that path, you, you're going to fall. You're going to you're going to fall to something. And, and this is motivated by greed. Greed is the number one thing that motivates us. And there's a reason why I think trafficking is becoming. Um, um, and people that are so much more knowledgeable on this will tell you this, because you can sell drugs or sell a product once, but you can sell a human over and over and over. And they and the uh, opportunity to make more money um, it, it, it increases and enlarges, and then it increases for a lot of different people. It truly is motivated um, by money. Um, and um, we we see that the girls aren't getting the money. Um, in fact, they're not very cared for. We actually bring food out to them sometimes. We have people um, on our teams that will bake bake goods, and we will bring food out to them. And we used to give them gift cards at restaurants that are local, so they can they can get some food. Um, they're just not cared for at all. You this know? is a really really pointed and difficult question to answer. How do you change the greed cycle? Mm. Well, that's a hard issue, and it's an issue where I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, you know, it's 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 in the scriptures. It talks to us about that. It warns us about, um, you know, the rich young ruler that walked away from God and 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 wept as he did because he he knew it was not right, you know. And um, I I don't I don't have the answer, but I do know that the answer is in the Word of God that warns us warns us over and over that you know we just have a lot here. You know, too much is too much. And God said that to Gideon in the Old Testament. He just said, cut it back, and kept telling Gideon to cut things back because too much is too much. And I think we get used to that, and then we expect it. Um, and we also use it as a form of identity, and that's something else, Bruce, to answer your question. One of the things we do is we remind them who their identification is in, that their identification is with God and and, and not the person that's owning them or the person that's left them. Or A lot of, the, a lot of these girls that we see, um, many of them come out of the foster care system as well. There's 60% of the women that we see have been in some sort of foster care system because they've been vulnerable from the start. So when somebody promises them something— and shows them that there's a possibility that their life could be better, um, that they, they're going to jump on that, and, then, and they're deceived, you know. Um, and I think that when, if, if we can start helping people at a younger age understand where their identity comes from, they won't, be so, they won't fall for that so easily. Great place to take a break. Laura Souk from Northeast of the Well, ladies and gentlemen. When we come right back, I'm going to ask Laura to explain where the name came from, and then we've got a lot more to say. We only have about 15 more minutes together, but we're going to make the most of it. So stay with me, and we'll all be right back. Thanks. 
through the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, Hoag's Neurospine program offers innovative methods to reduce pain, inflammation, and improve mobility safely and effectively, often without surgery. Should you need surgery, Hoag is a leader with minimally invasive techniques, 3D imaging, and robotics to restore your golf swing or your swing dance. Many of our patients go home in just a few hours, walking the very next day. Call our dedicated nurse navigator at 949-537-2931 for an evaluation or visit hoag.org forward slash spine health. That's what we're doing tonight together, ladies and gentlemen, on Angels Radio. Take a look in the mirror and change the world. Change yourself. Be inspired. My guest this half hour, Laura Souk from Northeast of the Well. Laura, before commercial, I asked when we came back if you would explain where the title comes mm-hmm. from. I know it comes from the Bible. Does. I don't think many people know the story. Share it. Great, thanks. The name Northeast of the Well does it comes right out of the book of John, one of the first uh, Gospels, um, where a woman has a real critical encounter with Christ at the well. It's a conversation. It's an unexpected conversation that she has um, with Jesus. And um, he goes to her. She does not have to go to him. She's broken. She's had many relationships that have failed. She's at the, she's shame-filled because the scriptures will tell us that she goes to the well at midday when when the women have gone already to get water for their families and for the animals, she goes and we meet a lot of people in those spots where they feel like they've come to the end of themselves and they have so much shame. But that name where that woman has that encounter as Christ ministers to her and speaks with her, she recognizes that he is who he says he is. He says, I, the one, am speaking to him, he. When she says, "You, this, you, this could be the Christ. When he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. And then Jesus tells her that he He's the one, and he's asked her questions about herself. In fact, he even let her know that she knew that um, he knew that she had had five husbands. And he said, "In fact, the man you're living with right now isn't your husband." And he didn't do that to condemn her, but to let her know that he knew her and he was intimate with her, and cared for her. And she had an encounter with God, which we see, and that's what is at the heart of our ministry: is we we bring the word of God to those that are in desperate situations, like that woman that are in recovery places or in transitional homes. That they're in safe houses. They've been trafficked. We go to jails and institutions. We find people often um, that are in holding tanks because their lives kind of come to a halt. That's where we meet people kind of in the, some of the hardest, darkest places. And we go through those doors. Northeast of the Well is in 21 programs a week. Right now we go and we bring the word of God and worship, which John 4 instructs us to do. It says that we need to become worshipers in spirit and in truth. So the name, the woman, after she has that encounter, she goes back to Sychar, which is her community. She goes back to where she came from, and that's what we do in our ministry. We encourage people to go back to the community and say, come see about a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And it says many people came to believe, and that's the hope that Bruce was alluding to a minute ago. Many people came to believe, not just because of the woman's testimony, but they came to see for themselves. And that's the heart of it. It's basically the 
outcast becomes the witness that we go back and I'm that person too. I can't, had an incritical encounter with in Christ in my life years ago and it turned me around and I prayed that he'd turn it around and I called on his name and that did happen and I feel like I'm just blessed now to be able to, to be with others that are doing the same thing. So that's the name. Northeast is a directional, it's, it's direction and we point people to what we believe is that it's the solution to greed, it's the solution to self-centeredness and, and all the things that trip us up and hold us back from having the fullness of where God wants us to be. And that woman who left that meeting walked back to her village, which was northeast of the well. That's right. That That's correct? the direction. Her sidecar was northeast of the well, correct. Talk to me about what you're doing here in Southern California. I understand that you have some marches coming up here in Huntington Beach. What is that about? Do that. Um, that what we've got going on right now in Southern California, besides going to programs all over Long Beach, South County, Anaheim, and up through Long and LA and, and Compton, we are we have two marches coming up. We just finished one um, a couple months ago, and it's on Beach Boulevard. So this isn't this isn't out of the state. It's not even in Los Angeles. We um, we have one um, on October fourteenth of this year. You're welcome to join us, and we'd love to have you do that. It's on Beach Boulevard, and then we have one the first. Uh, kicking off the year on January 13th. So we've got two coming up, and they're both on Beach Boulevard. And um, we we go and we we just um, go up and down the street and we create awareness. Um, we let the traffickers and the pimps know that we're, we're there. They're, they're not hiding, that they're seen. We expose the evil uh, and the darkness that's going on in there. And we believe that, um, you know, we, we make a mark when we when we show up. So that's those are two things that we're doing right now that are the walks. But day to day, what we do throughout the week is, like I said, we go to um, over 20 programs and we meet people where they are. We don't expect them to come to us. We are basically the church on the go. We don't. We go to people. We don't expect them to come to us. One of your slogans is the voice for the voiceless. Mm -hmm. We have 30 seconds. What is that? That's a voice for the voices. It comes out of the book of Proverbs, which is just pure wisdom. And we want to give a voice to people that don't have a voice. And so many of them have been um, they, they've been the downcast, the, the ones that have lived on the margins of society or drugs and alcohol have gotten ahead of them. And we just come and remind them to come back to where they rightfully belong. So we're that voice that we want to speak up boldly for them and so they can have the freedom that we know that we do have. How does somebody reach you? Um, our phone number is, is 949-515-9355, and that's our number down in Costa Mesa. We have offices in Long Beach, but that's our main office, 949-515-9355. And to get a hold of us, um, our, look on, up on our website, we're www.alloneword.northeastofthewell.org. And we would love to hear from you. We would love to um, have you join us in our trauma training or see how we could get any of you involved that you would like to do to reach out to those that are in desperate need. And that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Northeast of the Well, Laura Souk, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. It's always an honor to have you listen to our hour together on Sundays on Angels Radio KLAA. Good night. You've been listening to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Hear the Bruce Cook Conversation on Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific on AM 830 KLAA. And hear the podcasts of every show on 
Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. <laughs>